Let's start out very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get to that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you Hello, have soccer to get players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how you doing today, bro? Dude, man, I'm, I'm, I'm well, man. I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. Yo, you, Liverpool made me so happy today. Really? Oh. By two goals. Oh, my God. Nice, oh. nice. Killing the game. We, with 16 points ahead on the table. So, I don't know. If we didn't lose during the congested schedule, we didn't lose early January, I don't think we lose it, fam. I think you're going to get the golden trophy, the golden Premier League trophy. I we're think it's that coming to Anfield. Bank. Yeah. How are would you, you would you rather have here here's a question for you. Would uh -huh. you rather have undefeated Premier League season, which means you get the golden Premier League trophy? Yeah. Or would you rather lose one game and win the Premier League and the Champions League? Uh You know what? If it was last year, you know, I, I would have been greedy and say I want both. But now I only care about the champ. I, I'm the the Premier League. I want an unbeaten record, man. Think about it. We haven't Liverpool hasn't won the, um, the Premier League in 30 years, and then for that, for th now it's their time. I, imagine just winning this undefeated after 30 years of not winning anything. Oh. I, I think I'm gonna sweet. have to agree with you. Yeah, I want sweet, that. It's man. the golden trophy, man. Only one other club, you know, best club in in English football. Arsenal. Who, who's done that? Who's done that? Arsenal. Before. Arsenal then? Yeah. With with Wenger. Uh. Ninety six. Ninety. Yeah. Ninety six invincible. Yeah, that's Wenger was there. Yo, people need to yeah, put some there. respect on Wenger's name. <laughs> exactly, man. That's what I'm saying. Even though we destroyed them the last couple of years on, <laughs> on our old podcast. But still, that nah, man needs nah, to be respected. How are we doing, fam? Doing good, man. I was at a really good conference this past weekend. Mm -hmm. um, learned a lot about sport performance, sport conditioning. The conference was called United Soccer Coaches Conference. So um, it was mostly for head coaches, assistant coaches for all levels, whether it be youth, um, academy. Uh, college, high school, professional, um, and they had different tracks you can go to. So if you're a head coach, you go to these courses. And if you're an assistant coach, go to these courses. And they had a whole track on physical performance. And they had a lot of good people with a ton of great experience. And I am energized. They gave me a bunch of new ideas. And I'm excited to share some of what I learned um, on this week's episode of the podcast. Perfect. Perfect. I'm Hey, I'm, I'm learning through you, man, because I, I didn't even know there was a conference like that until I saw it on your social media. Yeah. So one of the first things I pulled away from the, um, the conference was the coach sets the intensity 
of the session, right? So now we have to ask the question, which coach? It's the head coach. It's the assistant coach. It's the performance coach. It's whoever is really in charge of the athlete at that time, right? And there has been, um, what I've learned is there's research done in this area where the number one um, variable when it comes to intensity is the coach, right? So if a session isn't being conducted with the proper amount of intensity, chances are it's not actually the player's fault, but the coaches for not intervening and solving the issue. So as a podcast for soccer players and soccer coaches, but mostly players, you have to ask yourself, are my sessions intense enough, right? Because you need to be intense in your training sessions because it's going to replicate how your, how your on-field performance is going to be. If your session is not intense enough, just tell your coach. Just tell your coach, hey, this session, I would like it to be personally as a player. Don't do it in any brash way, but like so just say personally as a player, I would like for this session to be more intense. And if you tell them that, I'm pretty sure they'll listen. Now, it, it, that's in content in regards to what session exactly is are we talking any type of soccer training in general shooting trainings stamina drill speed whatever it is all session needs to be intense is that what you're saying everything everything so, everything everything so any so basically you mean that if an individual that for example follow my my social media account and is training individually he also has to set up his training in a way that's super intense, where he's sweating, his lungs about to burst out, that kind of thing. That's always want that training to be intense. You want to replicate real game experiences. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, whenever you're moving, whenever you're doing any sort of activity, move as if it's an 89-minute tied 0-0 zero, zero, uh, final that you're playing in, right? And now you have to be careful, though, because intensity doesn't mean the session is super long intensity mm. means it's intense right so most of these professional players you'd be surprised to know that they only train for about 45 minutes per day 45 minutes to an hour and the reason they do that is because you can't train at an extreme intensity for a very very long time yeah, without yeah. getting some detrimental effects that's true so train quick train hard get out and then go home and recover it's funny. I would have say like at least 20, 25 minutes. You said 45 minutes of intense training. That's, that's, that seems long to me. Oh yeah, it, it is long and depend. It's not just strictly performance training in that aspect either. Right. It's not like you're doing suicides for 45 straight okay. minutes. You have other things you can do in the meantime that will allow you to recover. And there is recovery time built into that as well. Okay. So the second thing we uh, kind of learned was the return to play process needs to be better. And I was asking the, um, the head strength coach for the Colorado Rapids for their academy. I was like, so as a PT student, like what if you had to give like a message to all the PTs about, out there about how to improve the care of your players, like what would it be? And he told me that the return to play process needs to be better because a lot of the times if you have a knee injury, let's say, uh-huh. you go on complete shutdown. You, without realizing you still have a healthy ankle, you still have a healthy hip, you mm-hmm. have an entire healthy trunk and a healthy upper extremity. You have to realize there's so much more you can do outside of just that knee injury. So 
doing those things in rehab is going to be more helpful. Oh, okay. You so as a player, like when you when you hear this, you're like, oh, I'm not in charge of my rehab, right? The the PT or the athletic trainer will tell me exactly what to do. Well, guess what? If you ask them, hey, can we do some upper extremity stuff? Of course, they're going to say yes. They're going to probably be really excited about that. All right. So basically, it's it's funny because I posted something similar to that today on my my social media. So it, it, I guess it's what I'm hearing from you is just in regard to return to play after an injury. I mean, while you, as you, as you undergoing your rehabilitation, um, you have other joints in your body that's not injured. So you need to train those other joints. If you need to work on your upper body during that time when you have a knee or ankle injury, you can do that. You can even get some fitness workout. You can get some fitness in. Of course, it's not going to be as intensive as, you know, you running around the field. But if you can implement like some upper body circuit, you can still get a, a decent heart rate going. Um, so yeah. I guess this is uh, one way to put into application what you just said. Yeah. And the other thing about that was whenever a player is coming back from injury and you hear them, oh, they're 100% recovered. Mm. Chances are they're not right? Because you, you lost that match, that match fitness, right? That ability to sustain that, that endurance or that strength over a long period of time. Well, you need to start doing that true fitness in your rehab. In your if rehab. you're not doing it in your, in your rehab, then you're not going to be able to jump from fresh out of injury straight into a game without having a higher risk of re-injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's one of the way I guess we can all be better. Even it doesn't matter which clinic you're at. If you can um, try to implement what that strength and conditioning guy said in your clinic, that would be great. I mean, so often time, like we, we tend to undertrain people in physical therapy. It's like the moment they get in the building, like we're trying to treat them with the most, like as if they're fragile, but, but they, they're mm-hmm. not. Yeah. So, well, another thing that I learned was tracking your workload is not difficult. And specifically in the context of having the player themselves take charge and track their own workload. Um, For those of you who may not know, uh, workload is something that essentially says, okay, I worked out for 60 minutes and I did it at a intensity of 8 out of 10. So all you do is take 60, multiply it by eight because eight out of 10, and that will give you your workload for that day, right? Now you can do that that again, say that again. So let's say you work out for 60 minutes. Okay. And you want to say, hey, how hard did I truly work? Well, not all time is equal, right? If I do a 60 minute light jog versus a 60 minute um, interval training session, the light jog is going to be easier. So what you do is you multiply it by how hard you rate the activity on a scale of zero to 10. So let's say you do an activity and you rate it at a difficulty of eight out of 10. You take that eight, you multiply it by the amount of time, which is 60. Mm -hmm. And then that will give you some sort of number. Okay. And that would be your workload for that day. Um, Let's say you did multiple exercises throughout that. Are you talking about the, like, overall the whole session or each exercise in the session and then you add them all together using that calculation so i would recommend if you're just starting off just do one number for the entire session okay and try not to 
like let's say you do 60 minute or 55 minutes of light jogging and the last five minutes you do sprinting, right? Make sure you don't just base it off of, oh my God, at the end, I was so tired. That's a nine out of 10. Well, you just had 55 minutes of light activity. So try to make that one number represented along the whole training process. Um, so what you can do is track this number every time you work out and then get a calendar. And every time you train, put that number on the calendar. And every week, what you can do is add up your total and see if there are any major jumps in terms of how much you worked that day. Because right. these jumps should really be between, you should really be working between 80% and 130% of whatever you did um, the few weeks prior. So let's say you train three days a week, right? Yeah. And then you train three days a week for a whole month. And then starting month two, you say, I'm going to train six days a week. Those first two weeks back are going to be probably pretty difficult for you. So if you are going to do that, you have to say, okay, how do I modify what I am doing so I can train six days a week safely and slowly build up? Okay. I, I understand. So what we can do is I'll actually put, um, we can put a link in the description if you guys are still a little bit confused and you can see how to accurately do that. But it's really not that difficult and it can help you avoid injury. So another thing that I learned was it takes 72 to 96 hours to recover 100% from a game. Um, now, is that assuming you're doing everything right? Or is there assuming, you know, like an average day where you do whatever? Is That's a good question. That's a really good question because recovery is going to be based a lot on sleep, hydration, nutrition. And I'm guessing that's why that range is in there because depending okay. on... Um, how much you actually take adherence to those factors, like that might change some things. But what's important to know is that no soccer player has 96 hours to recover at all. <laughs> and that's, that would be a beautiful world, man. Like coach set yeah. up practice session the day before, the day after the game. It's nope. Yeah. So that's, that's how it is. And did, did 96 you, hours, that's unheard of. Did you um, ask any question about um, how that recovery is set up just to hit that 72-hour mark instead of going 96 hours mark? Did you ask any question like that? So for most players, if you're playing in a, um, an academy environment or an environment where you play once a week, typically the coaching schedule is that the day after your match, if you're on the youth side, you have the day off because mm -hmm. you have to probably be driven to practice, things like that. If you are on the professional side, you'll come in and do a recovery day, like a mobility, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and after that, you have to start training again because the game keeps on moving and you have to keep improving. So although you're not completely recovered, you have to know that and keep in mind of that because that those first few days coming back from from your game, they're going to be a little bit lighter. At least they should be. Yeah, they should be a little be bit lighter. lighter prop um, as far as intensity. Now that middle of the week, like that Wednesday, that's when you do a very very heavy training day because that will give you the few days after that to recover before the weekend to make sure by then you're hopefully as close to us hundred percent as you can. 72 to 96 hours to recover 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And now the other thing is if you play for a high school that happens to have three to four games a week, this it's it's impossible. You can see why it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's not even what it comes down to people. And also like this, there's guys that like to go on tournament on a weekend where they're playing like three games the same day or like three games within like back to back, like Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're playing. Yeah, that's that's impossible for them to actually do it. Yep. Mm. So that's that's the one sad thing that I – somebody asked a really good question about that. They were a high school coach, and they were like, how do I do this? And essentially the answer was you, you, can't. you can't. It's You can try as hard as you can, but your efforts are going to be pretty, pretty miserable. But, yeah. Yeah. Not taking into account like they, you go to games and you have to take a long ri- bus ride back home. Uh, yep. it, it's it's not set up to actually recover at all. If you if you think mm-hmm. about it, I wonder yeah. if people knew about recovery and knew had they done recovery or knew had any knowledge on recovery when they set up the schedule. Because I'm I'm sure if they knew about all of that, if they took all that into consideration, you know, high school kids wouldn't have like such brutal schedule. Mm-hmm, for and sure. it sucks because the, the better you are <laughs> at soccer, the more games you play. <laughs> yep. This is true. This is 100% true. Um, and the last point that I wanted to hit on was your warm-up needs to be intense. And Berg, I'm actually sending you a picture right now because at the convention, we were lucky enough to have um, players on the field um, doing their full activities and having each of them linked up to heart rate trackers and GPS data. And we got to see those numbers change, um, live in, in real time. So Berg, if you look at the picture I just sent you, um, you can see a bunch of players and their heart rates. And these are all one night younger. Yep. So you did young. They were like, nah, I'd say 14, 15. Yeah, that's why the heart rate. So, there's the heart. The max heart rate is a little high. Um, that it 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 max with it match with you know like a kid heart rate. Yep, but it's that's still pretty high, man. One ninety two six, man. Yep. So all these heart rates. I'm looking at about ten numbers here. They're two hundred six, one ninety one, one eighty four, one eighty four, one ninety seven. All between one eighty and two hundred five, which is and that's a warm up, right? This was the end portion of the warm-up. Oh, okay. So your warm-up needs to be intense. Your warm-up needs to not be intense because it's going to replicate game environments, right? And that's what the, the point really comes down to is your warm-up needs to be a direct reflection of whatever activity you're about to do. Your warm-up needs to be intense because games, you're going to hit that number on a very, very regular basis. So you need to prepare for that. Your warm-up also needs to be intense in terms of contact, right? Soccer is a contact sport. You have to be doing things like full-body contact within safe, within reason, Hmm. within the warm-up. Why? Because you're about to go do it for 90 minutes against people that don't like you. So you need to be ready for that. Um, It needs to be intense in its mobility. And what I saw was an intense mentality about it. And this is something I'm kind of guilty of. When I I do my warm-up, I do it very religiously right? I do it every single time now since I've had my surgery and it's worked out really well for me, but 
my warm-ups have been pretty lazy they're yeah, very your, your heart rate my uh, heart rate don't reach that high when i'm doing my ab- absolutely not and that's one thing that i'm going to take away from this personally is when you're doing your warm-up you have to be on mentally you have to be sharp and you have to making sure you're doing a hundred percent during your warm-up because that's that's what you need to do to prepare that's good information. I mean, we, we kind of knew that you need to warm up, but I didn't know you need to be, I, I just thought you need to go like semi-intense, but not like, like a hundred percent all the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you have to be focused, whatever you're doing, do it at a hundred percent. And then, that's then not, again, that's that, not doesn't, the whole, that doesn't mean. Cause the home warm-up, warm-up lasts like how much, like 20 minutes. Um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, give or take in, in, in the professional world. Um, I wonder how much of that 30 minutes are they, they going that intense. That's, that's what I'd like to know. Yeah, I mean. Because you're not going it, full throttle for like 30 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. It, it, and you, you're, you're also not running sprints back and forth for a long period of time. Those numbers were a brief snapshot of what, what their, their numbers looked like at the at the direct end of the session. What 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 kind of um drills um were they were they doing? So they were doing drills that were pretty similar to the um the FIFA 11, FIFA 11 plus that type okay. of stuff. Uh it was changed up a little bit. So generally the warm up is breaking down into three parts. The first part is just designed to start to get your heart rate up, start to, mm-hmm. to get the blood pumping. So if you think about it, um, small steps back and forth quickly, your typical high knees, butt kicks, uh, open, close the gate, things like yeah. that. And then they go on the floor and do some like floor mobility stuff. So that's when they do like most of their dynamic muscle stretches is the gotcha. floor. And then when they get up, they say, okay, that heart rate dropped while we were doing that mobility on the floor. Let's get it back up, but let's prepare you for the game as well. So that's when they do like some of oh. their sprinting drills and things like that. And at the end of that, when they're giving 100%, that's when we got the screenshot of, okay, these are all between 180 and 200, that one intense part at the end. Okay. So they're not spending the whole session going like, oh, no. Yeah. 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 Repeated bouts of sprint and whatnot. Cause, yeah, exactly. Okay. But we, we all know there's a difference between, like, let's say high knees is a perfect example. You can do high knees very, very lazily. Yeah. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen a lot of high knees that's done very lazily. Uh, yeah, including my own. And the thing is, if you're going to do it, do it intense, do it for a short period of time, and then move on. That's what it comes down to. Okay. That's good, man. Yeah. Some good info. Mm-hmm. I make a one or two posts about that. Um, for yeah, next I'm certainly going to make like maybe 10 or 15. Of <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's content. Content. Uh, yeah, I, I did get a lot of content, but it was a great conference. I got to meet a lot of cool people. Um, one individual I connected really well with was his name is Paolo Pazione, and he is the strength coach for Club America in Mexico. Mm. And he's the one that told me, hey, intensity. Uh, apparently in, when he goes to Mexico and he trains his players there, his nickname is Paolo Loco because he, he loves it when his heart rates are high. Oh man. When the players see him, they know what's coming. They so. know it's going to start cringing. Yeah. 
and he he understands that like hey there there are times where you have to push through and there are times where you have to hold off a little bit because that fine line is the difference between getting a lot better and then getting injured and it's up to the coach to to determine that line but it's also up to the player to relay the information back to the coach and have that trusting relationship so that's another takeaway u.s players can take from this yeah that's a i hope there's a podcast and there's a podcast. i hope there's a conference like that in my area so i can attend i haven't i actually went to a conference too but it was physical therapy related it was has nothing to do with sports i need to start going to more sports conference now mm. which one did you go to we can talk about it off the podcast because that's gonna take a <laughs> while and it's nothing <laughs> soccer related okay uh we're well, that's all we really got for you this yeah. week. Um, if you guys have any questions about the conference or anything like that, um, send me a message. I'd be happy to help you out. And next year, it's going to be in Anaheim, um, Anaheim, California, which is right outside of L.A. Uh, so I probably will not be attending, but I think it's in Philly the year after. So maybe I'll go that year. We'll see. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. All right. Peace.